All right, today my guest is Huck Johns, and uh, Huck spent a long time in the music business, and is, he's got some really cool stories, and including a call from Slash and an invite to try out for Velvet Revolver, touring with Ted Nugent, writing a song with Kid Rock, and more. So now he makes these really cool hats. He's going to tell us all about that and all these other great stories and insights in the music business. Check it out. So you're over in, uh, what is it, Franklin, Tennessee? It's kind of by Nashville, is that? Yeah, I'm 30 minutes south of Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been here, but it's uh, it's it's a semi-rural area of, of Nashville, but it's 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 getting getting clogged up around here, if you know what I mean. Every, the word is out, so the whole country's moving here. We've been here uh, going on our third year now, and... Uh, but we, you know, we love it. I mean, it's just rolling hills of green, and you know, we live. We have Leapers Fork here. We live in a beautiful farm neighborhood, and uh, it's a lot different than Los Angeles, that's for sure. Yeah. Did I hear you, somebody say that Vince Neil lives there or something? Or there's is there a lot of famous musicians that live in that area? There. Well, there's a lot of famous people that have homes here. Um, <clears throat> how often they're here, I don't know. There's, I mean, there's tons of people that live in 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 franklin like chris stapleton and uh you know the judds uh there's a lot of nashville people that have lived here outside of nashville if they if they lived in the nashville area this is this is pretty much where they live george jones lived here um you know if you ever heard of the famous story about him driving the tractor and his john deere drunk to the party store and getting pulled over and thrown in jail for drunk driving it was here in Franklin. <laughs> wow. So do yeah. you ever, did you ever play? Cause I know you're a musician, which well, of course we'll talk about that. Um, do you ever still play music in Franklin? Do you ever just go to the bars and sometimes I'm known to jump up here and there. Um, it's not a lot of rock and roll here. I'm a rock and roll guy. I got, mm. I got pretty vast rock and roll history. Um, you know, I can sing anything that I enjoy. Um, but here, you know, I, I didn't move here to jump into the music industry as much um i pretty much got out of la before it got really super expensive and and more crazy i suppose and considering that i have a young son he's you know he's eight years old he was six when we moved here i wanted to get him into a better better i don't know just a better situation more like whenever i grew up i grew up in south of detroit in in a suburb of of uh in, in a city called lincoln park which is near Wyandotte. Um, which is, you know, just south of Detroit. But nonetheless, I grew up, you know, riding my bike through the neighborhood and hanging out with all my neighborhood buddies and playing ball and, you know, walking to school and not worried about some of the things that he was accustomed to seeing in, in Los Angeles. And we lived in an affluent neighborhood in Los Angeles and he went to a private school, but nonetheless, it was very expensive. And I kind of wanted to give a shot to uh, somewhere a little bit more uh, traditional American, I suppose. And when COVID came and all the other things that were, <clears throat> you know, jumping into his wheelhouse, I decided to get out of Dodge and give him something of a different perspective. Yeah. So, Seems like okay. a trend with a lot of people leaving California. Yeah. I, you know, it was hard to leave. I mean, I was there for 20 years. Um, and my wife and I had a, we had established a, you know, a, a, 
a lifelong set of friends and 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 uh, a community responsibility and things that we enjoyed. Um, but you know, we're old parents. We wanted to make sure that he had the had the opportunities that we thought he deserved. So Franklin just kind of we kind of threw a dart at the map. <laughs> And everyone, like I said, everyone always thinks I moved to Nashville because of my music affiliations and uh, not at all. I come, I come here for the school system. Hmm, okay. <laughs> so, well, so tell me about Detroit though. So you grew up in Detroit and then obviously you moved to Hollywood in like 2000, but what, cause do you move to Hollywood for the music, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in Detroit, I was in a band, uh, you know, my twenties, I, I got into the game fairly or fairly late. I would say it wasn't like, uh, I grew up in high school, you know, being in bands and and, and, and all of that. Um, ironically, whenever uh, I was hanging out at a, at a real dive bar in Lincoln Park that was traditional for generations of my family to hang out at. And uh, the owner you know, went over to Japan, in, I think, 1992. And he came back with a laser karaoke, laser disc karaoke machine that he had spent a fortune on. And we had never heard of anything like that. And he said, uh, you know, this is this is going to be huge. You know, this is this is what they're doing in Japan. This is, you know, something new to America. And, you know, we're going to put it here in the bar. We kind of chuckled and, you know, they set it up in a PA and, you know, we assisted and there it was and there it sat. And we'd go in there and drink beers, me and my buddies from high school and such. And and uh, and, you know, one day we started using it, you know, and. uh to, to fast forward, there was another, there was a cover band that was playing in a city over that was drawing know, hundreds of kids, hundreds of people doing classic rock and things. And, uh, and so it, it really all started there. I started singing at this karaoke bar. So you uh, hadn't played music before you didn't play guitar or anything before? No, no not wow. at all. And, and, I, and I started singing songs and, and, uh, and people were just, they were really, you know, they, they were, you know, they just, I, it just took off from there. I started, and, and then, you know, things motivate you. So I was, I was dating a girl that, uh, you know, I never, I never, I never dated uh, girls that were, that weren't attractive to have to say, um, you know, I think all women are attractive in their own way, but in my mind, I mean, I was, I had a certain, I had a certain level of, of, of attractiveness that I think that I had to go for, I guess. And this girl was the end all be all prom queen, you know, and everything. And one day she worked at a bank and, and one day she come walking out uh, and she had a short mini skirt on and her hair was all teased up and she had fishnet stockings on and all this shit. And I said, what, 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 what's this, you know? And at the time I think I, was a semi mullet wearing pink sweater kind of you know sports and, and you know hanging out with my buddies who all played football with the college things like that and she said oh I'm going to this rock club you know I, I, with my friend Kim I said rock club you know she goes yeah that's 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 what I'm into you know I'm I'm into these things and we're gonna what go year is this this has to be 1991. Oh, okay. So right at the height of like rock, really, in my opinion. Yeah, the end of well, the end of the eighties era, you know, in the eighties yeah. still hanging on. So she was going to see there was a place called the Token Lounge back in Detroit, which is still popular, it's still open. Actually, I played there, I don't know, a couple of years back, uh, with Kenny Olson. But nonetheless, I never knew of these places. I didn't know shit about it. I just looked at her and went, oh, Wow, well, can I go? You know, and she's like, Yeah, nah, 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 it's not, nah, it's not your thing, you know. 
And I, I grew up on classic rock. I grew up on the Detroit rock. I grew up on listening to rock radio and things like that. But I just, I, I, I never, I guess it was, in, I, I ingested it all, but I just never gravitated towards it. I was more of a mainstream kind of kid because all of my, I was just following my friends, so to speak, and just kind of hanging out with what, what I was familiar with. And, and she had given me a cassette bootleg of Shake Your Money Maker from the Black Crows, right? Mm. And I was like, wow. Uh, what is what did you get what you know what's this she's like just listen to this you know week later she dumps me my heart's broken i'm like oh wow you know i i and i listened to that tape so much and i and i really loved it and so i um th- that kind of pushed me into starting to sing because i was hoping that she was going to walk through the door and i was going <laughs> to pull the doors off you know mm. and what happened in between is 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 a music career i started a, you know, I started jumping up with different bands. I would do a lot of the soulful songs. I had the voice for it. God know how I don't know where it really came from because no one in my family were musicians. No one was a singer. No one had that. I came from an artistic family, an extremely artistic family, but nothing in music. And um, and I think that's part of the reason as well. I gravitated towards you know being a, a vocalist and a front man is because nobody was doing it. Everybody expected me to go on and be uh, a form of, uh, I guess, physical artist in the sense of drawing, painting and things like that, because I was doing a lot of that in my youth. And I kind of wanted to rebel against what everyone, I guess, expected of me. And and, and in the early 90s, not a lot of people had balls and were doing that. You know, I mean, nowadays, you you know, everybody, my my son's my aunt, my niece is a singer. You know, everybody has a music career or some sort of uh, influencer kind of approach to things where... Back then, it was you know it's not something everybody was had the balls to jump up and do. So um, with that in mind, I I I was singing a lot with with doing covers with different bands and and uh, and, and getting a lot of popularity that way. And I ended up uh, putting an ad in the paper in one of the Metro Times there in Detroit, and I found uh, this guy J.C. Whitelaw, and and he. He was in a band or starting a band with Johnny B. Bedanchek, which was the drummer of the Detroit Wheels. And he had played with, uh, he played Edgar Winter's Free Ride. He played Welcome to My Nightmare with Alice Cooper. He was a, he was a world-renowned drummer and, and, you know, influenced artists like Max Weinberg and Ringo Starr and all of these papers, because he was really big in the 60s. And, hmm. and, uh, and and so that band really kind of elevated me because we were very popular in Detroit radio and you know we we played a lot of gigs around town and things really got cooking with Broken Toys was the name of the band and um that band pretty much introduced me to everybody that I needed to know in rock and roll I mean I met just everybody through Johnny and being in a band with him and kind of learned the ropes of rock and roll always hoping that girl was going to walk in and catch me rocking and rolling. And, uh, and then it just, you know, it, it, it turned into uh, me hanging out with local DJs that were very popular. And a lot of people don't know that Detroit's format for radio and rock radio was, was the blueprint for 90% of the rock stations in America. Hmm. So anything the Detroit's WRAF was playing, everyone else was playing. Um, so I hung out with all these really, really popular vested disc jockeys. And again, this is all, you know, pre cell phone, pre smartphone, pre camera pretty much. And, you know, you, uh, 
you had to you, you had to kick ass or you weren't accepted. So uh, that put me in a position of getting to know a lot of a lot of traveling rock stars. My buddy owned a limousine company in Detroit. You know, um, I was constantly out Tuesday to Sunday hanging out with the cult and the GNR guys, you know, and guys in Kid Rock were a go-to to me. They they would come off a tour during during their popularity with Devil Without a Cause. And I was always the one going out, hanging out with them and jumping on stages with them. And I developed a reputation and uh, came really close with the Silver Bullet Band and uh, started hanging out with Alto Reed and, and that bunch a lot. Um, which they had a lot of parties and things like that. And I, and one night I, uh, he had a party also had a party and, and the guys in Buck Cherry were in town and I ended up getting up and singing and fronting them without their singer. And they pretty much convinced me that I needed to move to Los Angeles because I was hanging out with Kenny Olson a lot, which I still do. And Kenny Olson is the original guitar player for kid rock. And you know, yeah, I had him on the show. I think that's what uh, prompted this whole thing is yeah. like we were talking about that so so you did you didn't move to la till 2000 so a lot of the rock stars and people that you met was actually in detroit that's how you met kid rock and all those guys yep they were just okay. you know because when they were coming to town again my one of my really great buddies uh, owned a limousine company and um and you know i was i when in my youth i was you know i was, I was uh, I, I, they, they, they always wanted me around. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to talk to anybody. I wasn't afraid to jump on stages. I wasn't afraid to do the shit that I think that they appreciated. And so they were always like, come on, we're going here. Come on, we're going there. You know, so-and-so's in town. We got them. We got to take them out. So I, I we kind of came, you know, the ambassadors of Detroit when it came to a lot of these bands coming in from LA. And um, so, you know, they, I took a shot after nine 11. I thought, man, I got to get this going. So I went out to LA. I stayed a couple of weeks uh, with the guys in Buck Cherry and got to know a lot of people. I got to know Stefan Adika. That was about the time I met him. Hmm. And um, and then I decided to just pack up the truck and move to Beverly, so to speak. And we drove out to L.A. in uh, 2001. And and then I was there, you know, 20 years. Um, I ended up, in, let's see, in 05, I ended up, uh, I, and during the time that I was there and the time that I had gotten a, signed to hideout capital i had written songs with ryan roxy and, and collaborated with gilby clark and, and collaborated with so many different musicians um i mean the first my first six months i got a call from slash i hung up on him twice because i i didn't think it was him I finally called back the third time. He's like, no, listen, this is all, you know, I got your demo from Yogi and, you know, we're interested in having you in this band that I'm putting together. And, and uh, that was a fun adventure. Wait, um, what was that? I never heard about that one. Yeah. They was putting together Velvet Revolver and, and looking for a front man. And he had been auditioning all of these different people. And my name got thrown into Kitty and, and, uh, and at the time, I, I was really focused on finding myself and finding my own career in music. And I really wasn't interested in jumping and being in part of any kind of tribute band or any band that was affiliated with someone else. Because there was always these bad stories, you know, about, you know, somebody getting involved, crashing miserably. And then, you know, and then the next thing you know, you're you're uh, you're you're over because you were trying to be something that you weren't. And I was definitely afraid of being Axl Rose, too. Because it just wasn't my style, anyhow. And excuse me, they kept telling me 
you know, well, you know, because I, I had this, I really love Scott Whalen. I really loved STP. When I, you know, whenever <clears throat> that was my, that was my, my go-to band between the Black Crows and the STP. I think those were the two that I emulated the most, you know, you always pick your paper doll, as I say, and those, you know, those, that, that vibe, it was between the Southern rock kind of soulful Detroit, you know, sound mixed with the, the heaviness of the Stone Temple Pilots. And so my look was very Scott Whalen-esque. I had the bright red hair. I think there's only three people in in rock and roll at that time that I recall was like Scott Whalen and Johnny Rotten and that that whole dye your hair, you know, crazy color thing. And um, so I went down that road and I had fire engine red hair when I moved to L.A. and, and big sideburns that were fire engine red and. And, you know, I tried to explain this to my son, like nobody looked like me, you know, everywhere now <laughs> you see everybody had, everybody's got different color hair, you know, but uh, with me, you know, at that time, just nobody did that shit. And I, it was a real like, whoa, like, you know, real commitment. And, um, you know, they kept telling me like, oh, you know, you have all this, you're so Scott Whelan, that's exactly what we want, you know, use that. So I, I just told them straight out, I'm like, you should, you, there's two people that should be fronting this band. You only have two choices. You should either get Scott Whalen or Mick Jagger. That's it. You know, if you can't get either one of those guys that, you know, I don't know what to tell you because no one else is good. You know, they had, you know, the guy from Days of the New, they were trying out Josh Todd. They were, you know, even some people, friends that I knew that were, you know, everybody tried to weasel in on that gig. And hmm. I was just flat out like honest about it. Like, Hey, this is, you know, I, I, I it's, 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 a, it's an honor, but not my, not my cup of tea. And a week later they were hauling Scott out with the hood over him, you know, on MTV news. And, and, and he was in, and he was in Velvet Revolver and I love the band, you know, I, I wow. So I you never even tried out. You, you, ref, you refused to even do the tryout. Cause I know they well, had that documentary. Refusal. It wasn't a refusal in any way. It was just like, it was just, I guess, you know, that I'm, I'm honest to a fault, you know, uh, I, I've, I've learned in my, in my old age now that, um, you know, my, my approach to things weren't selfish at all. They were, they're honest and true. I wanted to, and I still in this way, I, I want things to come organically and I want them to come when they should come. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't like pushing the envelope. I don't like, you know, expecting things, you know, cause it always leads to disappointment. And, uh, so it's just, it, I didn't, I took it with a grain of salt. I mean, I was, I, I was really flabbergasted at just at, just at the interest in my voice and my style from such heavyweight guys. And what it, what that showed me is that, I could do it, you know, like it, it, you know, I didn't, if, and, 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 and I think that's kind of in some ways where I had gone wrong in my career is that I always expected because so many things were coming and so many things had come to me um, that I just expected the next thing, you know, it was like, if this is coming, something better is coming down the road, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it did, it always did. Uh, But, but, uh, you know, there's some things I look back upon and went and go, mm, I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have pushed that one aside or I shouldn't have taken that so lightly, you know? Um, yeah. That could have been a great opportunity. What was there other things like that, that you, you're saying that you pushed aside other opportunities that you, well, I think so. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, just uh different phone calls that I got that, you know, I mean, I don't think that they were things that I regret pushing aside, there was just things that, you know, I should, I, I, after that, I really kind of got into it where I'll try anything. I'll go over anyways, you know, I'll write with anyone. And I did, 
I would never deny anything musically that somebody offered me at that point, not a career wise, but, you know, just going and doing, I mean, you know, whenever I going back into Detroit, I had an opportunity to, to audition for rent the, the, the Broadway production when it was blowing up, you know, um, and they were going, coming through Detroit, they were looking for a certain type of artist um, for the production and they weren't letting anybody know what they were looking for. And I had uh, I had a day gig in Detroit. I was an auto designer, usually aftermarket parts and things like roof racks and and emblems and uh, panel trim and you know things that were uh, you know uh, hinges and things like that 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 weren't so prominent on the vehicle because I was young and coming into the industry. But I worked for the big three, and that was my day gig. And I remember going, uh, getting a call from Kelly Brown, who's a, who's a big alternative DJ in this Detroit rock station. And, and uh, she said, you know, there's this audition for this movie that you should be in. You, you got to go, you know, and I signed you up. And I went, well, shit, you know, I got to work. You know, and when I get off of work, I'll go down there, you know. She's like, okay, we get off of work, go down. So I go down to, uh, what was it? it was in Detroit in Harmony Park. At some theater or theater or something, and they had like I had to be like twelve hundred people there. I mean, everybody who could sing, from the girl who did the national anthem at the hockey games to everybody who did commercial work, and the whole any musician was there. And um, I was like, they come on. They had a list, paper, you know, folding paper. And I was like, like eleven pages, and they're putting my name down. I'm thinking, oh, shit. And I'm standing around. I'm hobnobbing with people, and I look at my watch. I'm like. I got to go, you know, I mean, this is enough. I'm, mean, this is the wash. I'm not going to sit around and wait for this shit. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know if I want to do it, you know, and had no clue. And then, and I went to the desk. I said, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm going to bail. And the girl goes, well, who signed you up for this? And I told her and she goes, well, Kelly Brown. Okay. And she knew Kelly. So she goes, you're next, you know? And I'm like, okay, I'm next. So long story short, um, I ended up going for four auditions and, and ended up getting offered an understudy position for the lead role in that production. They were looking wow. for a, they were looking for an African American girl for the certain part, and they were coming to Detroit, obviously, to do these auditions. But they thought if they ever if they collected at someone else, you know, they they got lucky. And and at that time, I was in the studio next door with my band Broken Toys, and we had this producer Greg Ladani, who was um, he had produced the and engineered the Toto records and. Uh, the, the band church and, and, and all, and, and he was an LA guy. And we were at the time where, you know, kind of auditioning different producers and different people that were interested in us. So we would do the like two or three songs with them to see how it worked out. And I was doing that with them. And um, yeah, they had Dateline come in and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm walking out as they're telling me that they give me, you know, we want to offer you this position and send you to New York. Uh, and then I was on Dateline Detroit. And so I'm in there with my, I didn't tell my band. I'm in there with my band in the studio. We have lunch. We go to the bar to have lunch. They got me on TV interviewing and I thought, what is this, you know? And, um, at the time I just, you know, I, I, Broadway to me was tights and, you know, and, 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 a, and a lot of left-handed cigarettes and, you know, and I was kind of like, uh, you know, this isn't my bag. I don't know if I want to do this, go to New York and make a career out of being, you know, an understudy in a production I really don't know or care about. I just didn't, you know, there's things you don't understand in your youth or when opportunity comes. And if you're not mentally prepared or experienced in that area, then, you know, you, you don't, you don't take it as, as serious oh. or as, you know, 
So there was a lot of things that went on in my career that were like that, where, you know, where there were opportunities, I guess, given that at the time didn't seem like the right, right opportunities for me. And um, so, you know, it's easy to look back and say, oh, you know, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, the world would be a wonderful Christmas, you know, but. Uh, wow, that's interesting. Though. Yeah, because uh, it, it did make me wonder listening to some of the music that you've done that's that's out there on Spotify. I'm like, oh, this is good stuff. I wonder why, you know, this didn't take off. And then obviously you had the song that you did co-write with uh, Kid Rock. Tell me the story about that. That song's called I Am. That was a single. It was on the rock radio. Yeah. It, come um, about? it was, it was, it was a collaboration with a bunch of people really. I mean, and, and it was, they were, everyone was trying to feed me material because they were trying to prep me to be, the next kid rock or the next Bob here. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm in my twenties. I I'm just throwing stuff at the wall. And I think when Bob was coming around to do his, his self-titled record, you know, there's a lot of emulation there. I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel, I, I know the credit that I deserve of just being a part of the Detroit scene and doing the things that I have done. And I mean that in, in the most humble way. Um, just you, you emulate different people and, and, and celebrities, they're never going to tell you who they're, you know, who they're emulating or who they, mm. who they think is cool or what little pieces they're picking up along the way that ultimately makes their, their, you know, their persona and who they are. And, you know, I was, I was trained by Johnny B and classic rock guys and, during the time that kid rock was, rapping with a high top fade, you know, and hanging out <laughs> too short. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And and I think when it when it all was going on with him to 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 combine rock and and rap and this this edge and discovering who this is and, and with Jason Flom and 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 Lava Records and, and everybody involved at Atlantic that he was kind of trying to get into. Um, you know, everybody was just like try this and do that. And you know, and and so I think he'd always, him and I had always had some form of uh, uh, duality or, or I don't know if that's the right word, you know, just commonalities, you know. Um, I was never a rapper. Uh, he was never a rocker, you know. It's just kind of like, I don't know. We, we, he, he, it, it, it always felt like we were really close even though we were different, it, it, hmm. it, you know, and, and I think that's why a lot of the people in our same circles gravitated towards me and gravitated towards each other. And, and everyone always assumed that we were like best pals. And that wasn't the case at all. We, we, we never really gelled because I, th I, I think it was this, you know, I think ego got in the way really. And um, when he was doing his, his uh, self-titled record, um, he wanted to be more Southern rock and, and, and hmm. Rocky obviously in country. And, okay. uh, and I had already was heading down that path and, and some of the material crossed ways and it just, that's how it landed on there. And, and, um, and then ultimately, you know, he was managed by punch Andrews and, and so was I, so, you know, we were sharing the same management and, and eventually, and it just kind of all, you know, we all intertwined. I was hanging out with the silver bullet band. He was hanging out with the silver bullet band. It was, we were running in the same circles, um, but he would kind of come in one door and I would go out the other, you know, um, or vice versa. We never got together to 
elaborate. And every time we did, people would go nuts. Um, but I, he, you know, that's not what he was looking for. His collaborations were much larger, and his his plan, obviously, as a, as a, as a genius artist, which is what I would say to, about him, and, and, and an incredible performer. Um, you know, he he knew what he was doing. He, he, a very smart individual. Um, me, I, I guess I was just along for the ride and everything that I've done. Um, and, and I mean that, like, that. Just I, I'm always waiting for the next thing. I was always excited to be there, happy to be there, happy to be a part of it. I never looked at it like I was the commanding force of doing this and why this was working is because it all come out of here. You know, I, I always felt blessed to be a part of anything. And so, um, you know, looking back into a lot of it, I think I could have made better decisions if I would have had a larger ego in in the business sense, you know, and had a larger had had larger expectations for myself. Instead of just appreciating, it, which I do every single moment that I have and had, and and the relationships that I made and the memories that I made, you know, and 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 things like that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I am was a song about you know being 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 a part of uh, of America and 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 being able to relate to you know each each state in the union and the differences in people. And some of the experiences along the way, I think he gravitated towards that kind of thought process. And he was able to, you know, in inject his his experiences, which were vast into that song and and and, and make it make it part of the record, which um, which I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. Yeah. So you say he's really smart. It's interesting yeah, because you're right. He did have the fade and he was like a like kid and play kind of rapper. And now he's more like a redneck rocker country kind of guy. Uh, so is some of that kind of maybe just an act like when he shoots the Bud Light cans and that goes viral? I mean, there's a there's a part of me that goes in a way that's smart on him because every news site is picking that up. And I don't know if he really meant the hate towards Bud Light or not. But I mean, that that thing, that clip went viral. So do, is some of that uh, calculated? Uh, you know, I don't. I can't speak for Bob's thoughts personally. I can't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I question his motives sometimes myself. I don't, you know, I don't know what, what the numbers are for him. Like for somebody to say, well, you know, if you make that video, you're going to capture this many people and you're going to lose that many. And then, you yeah. know, let's do the math. <laughs> I don't, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm I don't, sure he's I don't lost know. the people that, 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 that don't like that side of him. Those people left a long time ago. I don't know, man. You know, I mean, I think it's all anymore. It's a big clown show, you know? Um, and that's part of the, you know, that's the thing, man. I, I'm a real type of guy who, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, it's hard to describe yourself, but I've always had integrity with, with my, my art. I'm an artist. I, 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 I don't limit myself with just music or, you know, I, I do as much as I can artistically and, and, and try to just, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it consumes me. It always has. So just like the story of karaoke and, you know, and, and, and how it all became, you know, it, it, me into, into a band and, and rocking and, 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 and having a career, um, you know, I just, it, everything comes, it comes from one source to me, it comes from above and, 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 and you, you either recognize it and and go with the flow, you know, and and let it be what it's going to be. Anytime I ever got too much in my head or took it too seriously, I fucked up. I really, I, I I said the wrong things or did the wrong things. As for him, you know, I just kind of think, well, you know, 
you know, it's like, it's like confetti and, 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 and little people, you know, you know, and that's the difference. I I would never think of that shit. You know what I mean? I don't, I I, I don't want a clown show in my show. I want, I I always wanted to have real mainstream songs that had an impact. You know, I, I always wanted to have a hit song really, and, and, and be in that realm of something that made a difference uh, musically. Um, I, I, you know, for him, you know, he he's gone in so many different directions, and 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 uh, so you know his his I guess to answer your question, do I think, you know, I don't I don't know if he's if if, if that's really him. I, I believe that he's very patriotic. I think that he's smart in what he how he feels about America, how he feels about with the way things are going. I think that you know I understand I understand you know his feelings of of his direction. Do I agree with shooting Bud Light cans and and, and all of that shit? No, I, I think it's I think it's kind of ridiculous. I think it's real. Yeah, I think that he's the kind of guy, you know, you never met a motherfucker like me. You know, he's the guy <laughs> who comes in and you know what I mean? And 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 and, and he's very witty and sarcastic and and kind of you know, comes off the cuff and doesn't give a shit who he insults and you know, and and that kind of thing. And you know, I'm I'm not like that. I, I don't I don't I don't but you're saying that you think that maybe you should have been a little bit more like that. Like you would, you said that you thought you should have had more ego, maybe been more aggressive in, in pursuing things. Uh, I just think that I think in, in my opinion, okay. I think that 90% of the entertainment industry is fucked up. I think that 90% of them out there have, uh, a lot of hidden issues and huge inflated egos and take themselves and the process way too seriously. And not to say that I didn't get caught up in that a little bit in myself, in my youth, you know, trying to understand how to fit in or which direction should I go? But, but when it boils down to it, my heart, my heart isn't was never into it because all any direction I turn or any business situation or any song collaboration or anything that felt good was always fucked up by some ego, some offer, some monetary value, some kind of something that wasn't a part of what it really was. And I think that a lot of artists can get caught up into that no matter what level that they're in. And, um, you know, it doesn't, it it doesn't define you. It doesn't make you, you know, it doesn't make you a better person because you have had extraordinary success by being an asshole, you know, or, or not. Um, so whenever I got a taste of that and, and continual taste of it, I, I really got burned out by it. I just got tired of it. I got tired of everybody's angle, you know, and instead of just me being an artist and Hey, saying, Hey, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I guess, you know, in, in, not in any comparison, but of feelings. I mean, think of Jim Morrison or somebody like that, that's really, you know, doing it and living it and doing it and doing it for the right reasons. And then everybody's in their fucking ear telling them how they should be or don't turn left here, turn right there, you know. And when you get enough of those people around, be it your guitar player, be it your manager, be it your tour manager, be it, you know, whatever, Um it's just too much, man, and 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 it takes an extremely uh, tough uh, and and I don't think anybody in this business has gotten anywhere without fucking somebody over really hard. 
And you have to be that type of person. Wow. So you have to be the type of person that says, you know what? I know I'm going to fuck those four guys over and ruin their lives, but that's what I got to do. You know, if I want to, if I want to have the showcase at the big arena, you know, I'm sorry. Somebody's got to go. And I was never that guy. And, uh, so, you know, I have, a, I have a lot of other, uh, derogatory things about myself, I guess, you know, but, but that <laughs> I never was that guy, you know? And, uh, so, you know, I think that's the difference. And I think that's the difference in success. I mean, I really do. I think that, you know, I think that everybody at the top has gotten there for a reason. They either pulled their pants down and bent over. They either got on their knees and got under the desk or they, somebody else did on their behalf. Hmm. You don't think it's just like hard work and, and perseverance and, uh, and, and a combination. I think that's all included. I think that's all included. Okay. How many people do we know that work their ass off and have perseverance that never get one single shot? So hard work and perseverance. Yes. If you want to live your dream, but you have to set the expectations of your dream. If you, you know what I'm saying? If you set your level really high and you work your ass off and have perseverance and, and you don't reach that level, does that mean you didn't work hard enough or you didn't persevere hard enough? I mean, I, I think that it's all combined, but, but really, I mean, look at the media today and, and listen to it. I mean, if, if things were, I think if things were really uh, genuine and, 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 you know, and, and heartfelt things that we would think and hope that it would be, then, then I think that the, the face of entertainment would be different. Um, I think we would have all of the genres intact moving forward on an equal level. I think people would appreciate music in in all levels and in on all different ways instead of, you know, well, you're down here and you're up here and you, you even though you suck, it's because you know so and so and you are here and you're here. You know, it, it's it's I don't I don't know if I'm explaining it well enough, but I just think that that it takes all of those things and and that particular section in which I'm speaking of um it, it, it can dis. It, 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 I wasn't encouraged enough because of all of the bullshit to continue working my ass off to give it to somebody else or have somebody else come in and take the credit or have to give pieces of it to somebody else who didn't deserve it or have somebody else decide whether I was working hard enough or not, you know, or whether I, you know, whatever their opinion was, 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 you know, they were going to speak for me in, in my opinion, you know, I, I, I didn't want to go through all that bullshit and and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody really at this point. If my son said, I want to get into the music business, I would say, uh, you know, I would give him these exact, the exact same description I'm giving you and, and hope that he would understand that, uh, uh, you know, you're, it's like swimming. It's like swimming in the clearest and cleanest pool of water, knowing that there's 40 sharks out there waiting for you. You know, and uh, you can see the island. You can see the island with all the hot chicks in bikinis waiting for you to swim over. And there's no, you know, war shark warning signs. And you're jumping in, and and you're the best swimmer in the Olympics. You know, good luck. You know what I mean? So if you make it fast, then you're, you know, there you are. You're on the island, full of coconuts and hot chicks. If you don't, you know, if you're not fast enough, the sharks bite your legs off. So you know, that, to me, that's the entertainment business. Wow. You know, and I know, I know, I, I know I sound like doom and gloom when it comes to it. <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, I mean, I want to encourage people to could live their dreams because that's what I do. I live my dreams, but don't limit yourself and your dreams. You know, don't think just because you get a phone call from slash, you're the greatest and don't think because you don't, you're the worst. 
That's well said. Exactly. Well, yeah. So let's, but let's talk about your album that you did your solo record. Um, you, you co-wrote the songs with, uh, and he played guitar too. Keith Nelson from Buck Cherry, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there, that was the song that you also co-wrote a song with Ryan Roxy and then Jimmy Ashurst played bass. He's also from Buck Cherry. Did, now, did they tour with you or did you tour with a separate band? No, no, no. Um, I had a separate band. I had a bunch of great okay. guys that, that really had no experience in touring or hmm. playing live shows. I, I, I grabbed I grasped anything I could in the process because, you know, there's, that's another thing, you know, I had worked my ass off in LA and um, had made all these relationships and things with these great musicians that really believed in me. And I, I believed in them, you know, they're, they're awesome. And we had, incredible relationships incredible times worked very hard you know developing the material and uh recording it and and all these things and and i sent it back to detroit to basically sell it to see if there's a way that anyone commercially or any other artists out there would be interested in it if there's anything i can get going and and they they sent me back uh 13 songs and said you're gonna do this record wow you know and put me in capital studios and and uh and got the whole deal rolling um and i wanted ryan roxy to play guitar i think at the time ryan was very interested in it as well in being in a band and you know the my management was like ah nah he's too old nah, he's a, you know no offense was this to ryan. before he was in alice cooper no he was in alice cooper okay. he was still playing with alice cooper but i think that you know this was a time when alice had other focuses there's you know sure. things now I'm glad things worked out the way they do because I mean Ryan Ryan's one of the most incredible people and musicians that I've ever ever been affiliated with or known. I mean, he was always honest, always straight up with me, always gave me a hundred percent, welcomed me into his world and his home. Um, you know, just just an outstanding guy. Uh, you know, would love to play in a band with him. We listened back to you know not too long ago to some of these live things that we did with different different uh, rhythm sections that we were we were trying to put together and man, you know, maybe we should have went with those guys or, you know, just, you know, just things that we just, you're not aware of at the time. And, and, um, you know, with Keith Nelson, the same thing, you know, I, I, I was, I was close with, uh, with JB or, you know, and the bass player, the original bass player, Buck Cherry. And I think JB was trying to get, kind of get things going again with Keith. And so he brought me in to, to kind of bridge that gap a little bit as a vocalist. And Keith was like, nah, you know, this isn't going to work out. And called me, you know, like a couple of days later, like, do you want to come in the studio and start working with me? And I'm like, yeah, man, that'd be great. So him and I wrote for like a year, year and a half, you know, just at least four nights a week in his, in, in a little one room studio, sweating our asses off, you know, making material with different, with different players, Mike Fasano um, from Tiger Army and, uh, you know, different drummers. We had Aaron, my buddy Aaron from Kid Rock, Aaron Julison, um, you know, just different people. And Jimmy Asher's, you know, and just we're jamming around and, and trying to come up with things and, and possibly having a having a band. Um, I think that is what really influenced the Buck Cherry reunion with him and Josh Cobb, because I think he was like, hey, I'm fucking doing this thing with this guy. It sounded pretty good, you know, like, you know. Maybe we should, you know, pitch Universal again with some of this material and 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 get this band back together. And I think that's exactly how you know, the revival of Buck Cherry happened. Um, my management, I sent it back to them, and they have a history of of uh, creating artists on a mega level 
but in a, in a very hard way, you know, they, they, they like you to, you know, starve and, 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 and have to, and, 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 and they like to say no to a lot of big opportunities. And I was ready to say yes to every opportunity. So every opportunity that seemed to come down my pipe was, you know, they flat out denied. So it was kind of wow. frustrating because it's like, you know, uh, you know, I have these opportunities that I've built in LA and, and my management at the time was like, nah, we're going to do it this way. You know, um, what did they say no to? Oh, uh, well, I mean, certain things like, you know, just different players, uh, different, different tour opportunities. Um, you know, because you did end up touring with Ted Nugent. Yeah. Yeah. I toured with Ted for, I did, uh, I don't know, 12, 13 house of blues shows with him, um, all across the country and, and, and others. Um, you know, uh, that was great. I mean, it's, you know, it was a great experience, you know, being out with, with Ted. Um, you know, I, I wasn't really, it, when I went, when I, what I wanted was that I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to have a band, uh, you know, uh, like, like STP or, or a band that had, you know, that had a vibe and, and not have the, the responsibility of my face and my name mm. and my this. And, and that was, that was all the labels idea. And, and oh, at the time right. when somebody comes and approaches you with that, you're, you know, you're flattered and, and you, and you can get caught up in, in that idea and that thought process. But, but no, I never really wanted that. I just wanted to be a part of a band and have a have a group of guys that I could collaborate with. That I and I felt like I had made that connection there, and I think that everybody involved in my music wanted that too. So then when they came back and it was me and it was Hawk and it was you know all of this stuff, it it put all of the responsibility on me. And they explained it to me like, hey, you know, you if you if you win. Then, then you're it. You're the reason it all happened. If you lose, you're 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 it. You're the reason it all didn't. You know, and the quarterback and, or something. Yeah. yeah, that was tremendously hard on me. I have to say because you know it all it all fell on me or it all rose on me. You know, and and I didn't want that at all. And and so you know, and then at a weird time during the music industry, oh five oh six, you know, things were transitioning into digital age and and. And nobody knew what was coming or how to deal with it or what the really, you know, how to get the, the monetary value out of it. And, uh, and, you know, and people didn't even know what to charge for recording times because, you know, you have pro tools, you got all these electronic devices now and things are coming into, into play. And, and so it, it just, it was, it, it was just a, if I were, if I'm, you know, it was quite some time ago, but remembering it was a, it was a confusing time. It was an exciting time. It was, it was, it, you know, some people got pissed off, hurt, uh, you know, some people were very excited and, and, and proactive. Uh, it just kind of it, it just kind of separated everything. Whereas I, 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 when I was just on my own in LA and making music and writing songs, that was freeing, and 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 those were relationships that I made on my own without any involvement with management or any bullshit. And you know, that's what I was living for is creating the art. You know, once the art was created and it was being created, then you know, I I mistakenly allowed others to come in and manipulate that situation. And I I do regret that. Gotcha. So tell me about though with working with Jimmy Ashurst, because you also mentioned that you had hung out with the guns guys and Slash had called you, but Jimmy played with Izzy Stradlin. Does he have any stories? of that uh, that guy is so fascinating to me i would love to get him on the podcast uh, izzy stradlin so i just i'm always anything any sort of connection to him i'm always like curious about like is there any oh, 
Any insight into his like? I don't recall. <laughs> I don't recall having vast conversations about his time with Izzy. I, I, we. If anything, we talked about the greatness of Izzy and what what he really was to GNR, who he really was in GNR. You know, mm-hmm. in, in my humble opinion, I think he was GNR. I mean, I think that you know he was the the pivotal songwriter, the, the guy that came in with the solid song ideas, the song, solid approach to what things, you know, were really sounding like, I guess, you know, uh, I was, I was always a, a, a huge fan of him. Um, you know, no offense to slash, but more so. Um, uh, and, and I think that just, you know, two fingers affiliation with that and, and, and his playing ability just spoke for itself. You know, um, Jimmy, Asher's is a phenomenal bass player, uh, natural, um, you know, bass players either have the, uh, in my opinion, have the, it's either through their whole body in their hands and their fingers, or it's not. Mm. They either, they either have the soul to play that bass to either James Jamerson or, you know, they're, they're, they're staying with a pick. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, there's only two types to me. I think Jimmy was definitely has the soul that, of of Motown and 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 the Allman Brothers and 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 every other great band that you could ever imagine uh, inside of him. So it just it's just he's just a natural and and phenomenal. And he was really great friends with Keith Nelson, and Keith always admired him and looked up to him. Um, and, uh, and 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 they were buddies. And and so I think it was an opportunity for for him to get jimmy to come in and play and play on some cool stuff and and jimmy was gracious enough to say yeah man i would love this shit i'll play all day on this so he would come in and play you know all all the bass parts and 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 uh you know it was a great guy he's a great guy you know he's over in italy now you know he's, he's over there living living the life i think you know I, I see him every once in a while on the facebook and and, and we chat through that um and uh you know to me he was He's a real, he's a real artist, you know, and that's what I love. That's, that's, that's what I, that's only what I love is the, is the artistic aspect of everyone that what's inside of them as an artist, you know, their soul and who they represent. All the other stuff is just fluff, really all of it, you know, tattoos to, to painted nails, to, to glitzy uniforms and, 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 and with all due respect, podcasts and all that stuff. (laughs) It's just all, it's just all, it's all, you know that's all the stuff you need to do. Sure. What you have is, uh, is, is a real, is, is real soul and talent. And, 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 and Jimmy's one of those, you know, Jimmy's, Jimmy's a legend. No doubt. Absolutely. Well, his, then, his affiliation um, with Izzy, I guess I never really had any really big discussions with him about that. We just, it was one of those things where, you know, if you know, you know, you know, sure. and, and you, uh, and you, you know where it comes from. And obviously, you know, him playing, with Izzy, it, it, it reflects his, his abilities, no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so then you did, cause you said initially that you start, you were starting something with uh, Jonathan Brightman from Buck Cherry. And then you got, then you did eventually have a band with him. You were saying mm-hmm. like you wanted your STP. Well, you had that black robot. That's a cool band. Like I love the artwork too, that you guys had on the covers and stuff. I was like, this is cool. So talk about that band. And um, you, you did a couple albums and then you did a single, I think, and a few years back, is that still kind of occasionally active? You know, um, Black Robot was a was a project band, and it was JB's project. He's something that he cooked up 
And I think that he had on his, in the back of his mind for a long time. And, uh, and when I initially went to LA, you know, it was really the first, the first idea of, of getting something going was getting something to go to Japan, um, you know, and go and play over there make some money. And I just wanted to go over there. I'd never been. I still have never been. I would love to go. I'm not, I'm not, that's when this can be my first trip that we take as a family uh here soon shortly we got my my we got my eight-year-old uh, passport and that's where he wants to go so wow. if we want to go to tokyo we're going to go to tokyo but the, initially in la that's what we were talking about we were we were you know everybody was kind of in a flux you know uh matt sorum all of those guys yogi uh you know everybody was in a flux and and here i was this new guy in town and i had the pipes and uh, you know and 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 had to look and, and, and it worked, it worked. And, and, and I was running in the right group of people. And so we talked a lot about that, you know, let's get a band together, go over and we'll play all this shit and we'll do the buck cherry songs. We'll do all this stuff and we'll do it for the Japanese. And they'll go ape shit. And that will create this band of an entity that we want and so on and so forth. So I think it, I think it stemmed from something that JB really wanted to have himself. I don't think that he felt like buck cherry was really, uh, uh, something that that he, I think he felt that he was losing maybe a little bit of, of of his affiliation and control in that whole process. I think Josh and and, and Keith kind of were were were, were you know, taking it, taking wanting to take it somewhere else and things like that. And I think that's why things kind of got a little bit weird with that whole band. And I, I don't know all of the inner details, or, or I don't have the really the, the room to discuss all of them, but um. You know, when it came to Black Robot, JB came to me and said, okay, I'm going to put together a band with all of the original members of Black Robot. And I had already done my record. I'd come off. I had toured and everything and and um, and came back and and uh, decided, like, well, you know, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. You know, do I want to do another record? You know, my the, the reward was like, oh, congratulations, uh, Capital sent the list of 90 artists that they're dropping and 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 you still you're still in there, you know, like congratulations. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, you know, you made the cut. You didn't get dropped, you know, and I'm like, oh great, you know, like I didn't get dropped. That's all that's what I get, you know. So I'm kind of like, uh, you know, it, it so that's you know, that that's how it was for me. So so when JB came and said, Oh, I want to do this band with the original members, I was like my advice to him was like, oh, well, you got to go find a Josh Todd. You know, there's so many different 20-year-old wiry kids with tattoos from their, you know, their neck down. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I, that's what I would do. Yeah, put together, go find somebody, you know. He's like, no, 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 I really, I really want you to do it. And I'm like, ah, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if I, you know, I think that here's what I think you should do. And he was insistent upon me fronting the band because he said he wanted a more well-rounded sound. He wanted to do classic rock songs. He wanted to do something that was more timeless. He wanted to do something that wasn't just one straight thing, you know, and, and, and I got it. So he, you know, he got Devin and, and Yogi and myself together. We had some sushi. We talked about it and, um, and we're like, yeah, you know, that sounds good. And um, his brother at the time and still is Matt was managing Dave Cobb. And, um, as, as a, as a producer, so, um, they, you know, he, he, he has friends with Dave cut a cut a thing with Dave and, and we went into the studio and created that record, just basically, you know, Dave, JB and myself. And then we had, uh, we had Darren Dodd play 
um, drums, which was Butch Walker's drummer. Hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and Dave Cobb played a considerable amount of guitar on a record and it was all cut live, uh, in, in a live room, um, basically rhythm guitar and drums and everything else was, was, uh, overlaid into the tracks. And then I did all the vocals and, and wrote, uh, you know, a large percentage of the lyric to go along for each song. And, um, and that's basically how the record was made. And Yogi and, and, and Devin came in and cameoed on some on some songs. And they put it out as, you know, featuring ex-Buck Cherry members. Uh, we found a guy in Thailand to do the artwork um, and tried to emulate this, you know, 80s or, or you know, classic heavy metal kind of style of, of nostalgia with, uh, you know, tangible feel of a band. Um, and we you know, we did our best to emulate all of the people that we loved in rock and roll. And, um, and, and that's, you know, and then when it came down to releasing the record and putting it out there, we, we, we picked up a deal with rocket science, which was working uh, Ace Fraley's record at the time. And, and uh, I think Bruce Kulik's record and then uh, a bunch of other artists. It was a small indie label in Hollywood. And, um, and then I booked the tour. Um, I, I I had under a pseudo name. I called and, and and booked the whole Texas, you know, West Coast tour for Black Robot. Um, and we worked the phones and got it on radio and uh, and went and hustle, you know, and, and put together a band. I, I forgot to mention we had put together a touring band. So we uh, we we I, I found a guitarist uh, at, at a Scott Whalen show of all places. I saw Andy Anderson there, he had long hair and a beard, you know, kind of a Zach Wilde look. And I just walked up and said, you know, hey, man, you look cool. You know, what's your gear list? <laughs> and then when he told me his gear list, you know, it passed snuff. And I said, here's a disc, you know. And, of course, he flipped out and, and wanted to be a part wow. of the band. And, 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 I, and I had him in – we had him in the band. And then uh, uh, we had uh, Stefan Osterling, Osterling yeah, who was another Swede. Really great guy, very talented on on uh, the other leads. We had two leads, and Possum Hill played uh, played drums. And uh, you know, we 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 basically fabricated this band, this touring band, um, and that was Black Robot. Um, and we did a bunch of shows, and it was fun. About that time, I met my wife, um, and I was feeling it, man. I was feeling it again, you know, the bullshit of the industry, you know, the, the egos inflating and, and, mm. and the push and pull of people's positions and, and all of that horseshit. And, 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 uh, and I wasn't happy about it. And, uh, and I think it, it led into, uh, it led into a, a difficulty with some, in some friendships because, you know, I was hitting the stage and rocking out and, you know, hitting the Viper and, and all of these different places we were playing and, and we had a good following and it was, it was elevating, but, you know, people's girlfriends were getting involved and not mine, my, it, it just others and, and just opinions and, and who's going to manage and, and, and money distribution, you know, it, it was like, you know, okay, you know, you know, one, uh, two for you, uh, one for you, you know, two, three for me, <laughs> one, two for you, you know, and eventually it was just kind of like, well, you know, I'm not doing this again, you know. Mm -hmm. So when I started expressing interest in just being an artist myself or not really jumping aboard on the on the, on the craziness again, um, that was whenever things flipped in the band and and 
you know, friendships kind of went awry and, and, um, and then they went on and did another record with, an, with another art, with another singer that, uh, you know, I unfortunately tanked miserably. And, um, that was the end of black robot. But the first record was, uh, it came from the heart, had a lot of soul, um, w- was created organically, um, all vintage gear, uh, two inch tape, um, really old school man we okay had, so you didn't uh, have anything to do with that after when it continued on it had different singers or something no 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 okay. i i bailed and and i always felt whenever i bailed or, or i supposedly bailed i didn't actually bail i i was told i bailed oh one of those things okay one of those things yeah and so i was fine with that i really was i was i was disappointed at first and probably said some things i shouldn't have and you know it, it things like that occur of course when you're emotionally involved in things um, but looking back upon it, I don't have any regrets. I don't have any regrets in, or, or, or ill feelings towards anyone. And, and that goes for anybody in, in my whole entire career, you know, um, ultimately the decisions that were made, they, they fall on me and, and, and everything that I've done in my life, you know, I take responsibility for, and I appreciate every experience. I mean, rock and roll has been so incredibly awesome to me. I mean, I've met everybody in the industry. I, I have I have stories that that are just irreplaceable experiences that are irreplaceable. Um, you know, it's it's it, it's been a, such a huge portion of my life, um, but it doesn't define me. Again, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't complete the whole. It's 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 not all of Huck. It's just really just a small fraction of of, of the things that I have done otherwise, and and so I don't hang on to it too hard. Um, I, I hope that it it has. Uh, some timeless longevity and and i'm always hoping someday some people someone will find that black robot record and go holy shit you know like this is you know this is incredible but you know in today's world without you know shooting pepsi or shooting uh you know bud light cans you don't get anyone's (laughs) attention you know yeah uh, so you know i come from that mid-ground era between like when when you either had you had to earn your shit to and in between, you know, phony selling it, you know what I mean? Like, it, like I, and I believe now we're in the phony selling it stage. I really do. I think that there's a lot of shit talent out there. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's presented like as if it was the greatest things made out of diamonds. And, and yet, you know, you look back in the classic rock days and whenever, you know, things were really made and you think about the work that, that, that we all put into on two inch tape, uh, not being able to overdub, not being able to fix the vocals, you know, you either had to have it or you didn't. Um, those days are gone. You know, nobody was there with a camera filming it unless they had a VHS camera, which, you know, nobody had. Right. Uh, you know, there's just, you, you, you there's no, you know, there's no look at me, you know, then it's just, you, you showed up, you did your job, you delivered, and then you went back and ate a TV dinner and and, and, and thought, well, how the hell am I ever going to, you know, and that goes for everybody, you know, um, for most, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, now that's a, it's different. That's a good point. There's a lot of, uh, not only just musicians, but, uh, I see like, uh, comedians, I have comedians on the show and I've seen a lot of movies and stuff that are independent, that are really well done, that are well acted and great stories. And you've never heard of these things and they're great. They're amazing. And then you see other things that are just total shit and they're, you know, making tons of money and everybody's watching it or listening to it. I'm like, how this seems like backwards, but yeah, I think it's just like a lot of it's marketing or like you said, just whoever's the loudest. I think that's, that's a big part of the world that we live in today. It's whoever's the loudest or most controversial 
that's going to get the most attention, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best art. Well, yeah, absolutely. And being from Detroit, you know, I still know some of the greatest musicians in the entire universe and they're still there, still making their art. Um, still hand to mouth and have done some of the most incredible things and, and, and contributed to, you know, the real sound of, 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 of what everyone else is trying to do. And, you know, we were really hard in Detroit, you know, you either, you either sucked or you didn't, you know, that's how it is in Detroit. You either suck or you don't. Yeah. Um, Not to say I didn't suck. I don't know. I mean, it's all a matter of perspective, but you know, you, you, that's the way you looked at things. You know, I mean, we, I, I, I remember going to see Jack White play at the magic bag with five people in the audience and, you know, we're, we're, we're hackling him, <laughs> you know, but the stains on his shirt and, and when's the bass player showing up, you know, and uh, you know, I always know when Meg's knocking at the door, you know, it's, 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 a, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not in time, you know, whatever we, we were just ripping on because there was this, we were able to, you know, we, it, it was, it, it was Detroit, you know, you, you never knew who was going to pop because everybody was really talented, you know, wow. and, you never, you never thought anyone was going to pop because everybody really sucked, you know? So that's just how you were, you know, you, you supported each other. You went and you, you went and, you know, were always blown away, but you know, you, you, you kind of took it for granted, but you took it with you. Like I took it with me when I went out to LA so I could recognize real talent. And, and I guess, uh, you know, uh, you know, like the Ryan Roxy's and the Keith Nelson's and, and, and those types were really, uh, I was, I'm proud that they recognized it in me, you know, and, um, and that I was able to have those memories. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, just getting to know Eric Singer. It was just through Ryan Roxy. He would come by Ryan's every day, be writing songs. And there was Eric, you know, and a pair of shorts and that, because he was the drummer for Alice at the time. You know, are we going to tour again? I don't know. You know, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> you know, maybe we're going to go. And everybody's worried about, you know, and, and, then, and then you fast forward to now. And Eric's been, he's been the drummer for Kiss for what, the last 15 years, you know, and, and, and then, you know, Stefan the same way. I mean, all the things that Stefan has done, Adika, and all the people that he's known and knows. And, and um, you know, I was fortunate to be able to, you know, be introduced to all of these people on a level that they respected. And, and and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for all that. I really am. And those experiences in Hollywood that I had, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, man. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's not every day some punk from Detroit that sang karaoke got to record at Capitol Studios and, and 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 make a record and put it out and in his name and go and hustle it you know um uh it, it, it's you know the, the lord has blessed me every second man so i just i'm just waiting for the next thing and uh and i'll be ready for it whenever it comes and decide if it's if it's right for me or not musically um do i still play around here yeah i still make music i, I mean i make music all the time i just uh i don't I, I'm I'm particular in, in how I want to present it and who I want to present it to anymore, just because everybody, you know, everybody takes things uh, again, a little too seriously sometimes. And I, and I'm at a different point in my life where, you know, I want to make sure that, uh, but if I do do something again, musically, that it's, 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 it's a hundred percent fulfilling for me. And, mm-hmm. and that, and that my, my agenda or my, my ultimate goal is, is in the right direction, you know? Sure. Yeah. So you say you have these uh, stories, these uh, irreplaceable memories, and th- is there any other stories that you want to tell? Like something that stands out? You're like, oh, I should tell this story. This is a good story. Oh man, you know, I mean, without throwing everybody under the bus, you know, what I mean, there's just so many different things. Uh, in the, you know, when I first moved to LA, there's just so many different 
situations that I was in. I mean, I'll tell you a funny story that, that you might think so. It, it involves JB. Um, one night we went out, uh, we went to this place. Uh, the, the, it was, what, what was the, what was the name of the, the hotel? It was the whiskey bar. We used to call it, but the, oh. the hotel was, uh, the, the marquee, uh, the sunset marquee. Okay. Had this bar, right. And, uh, it used to be right behind the house of blues, you know, and uh we went in there one night and and uh, there was there was there was all of the girlfriends of the cult you know they were out on tour and we know all those guys billy and and, and matt and everything and, and and so there it was all like either their wives or their girlfriends and you know very attractive you know and uh and so everyone smoked at the time you know so so we were sitting with them and they all knew jb 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 is very personable so he knew a lot of people in hollywood and and so we come in there and, and, and there's all these hot girls and, and we're sitting around and talking with them, you know, and, and so, you know, we, we stand up to go and have a cigarette, which was about, I don't know, maybe 20 feet away from where they were standing outside in the patio and then you, and, and never all the doors were wide open. So you could see everything was on and we're smoking a cigarette and here comes George Clooney in and sits down, you know, hey, to the girls and sits down in, in, in our seat. You know, we had two seats there and sits down in our fucking seat. And, and we're smoking a cigarette. And I remember we're looking at him like, and I said, you know, who the fuck does this guy think he is, you know? And JB was the type of person where things things burned him. And he's he was passive aggressive. He's a passive aggressive guy. So it kind of like it burned him. You wouldn't really know, you know, but I could see it fucking burning him. So he goes, oh, i take care of this thing. So he went into the lobby and he got on the house phone and he called the front desk. And he's like, hello, hello, this is uh, so-and-so. I mean, I have, you know, important, I'm looking for Mr. Clooney. I have an important message. <laughs> and, and so, so he comes back, you know, and I'm still smoking. So he goes, oh, fucking watch this. And he, so, so the, the, the major D or whatever comes over and says, you know, uh, Mr. Clooney, you know, there's a phone call for you, uh, you know, and, and oh, he's like, oh, he's so, so impressed, you know, hold on a second, ladies, I better take this one, you know, <laughs> and he gets up and he answers, there he is on the fucking house phone, and then we come back and sit in our seats, and there's, there's no seat for Clooney now, you know, so he comes back and we're like, who's on the phone, George, oh, hi, hey, George, you know, did you get a call, you know, who's on the phone, or the guy, you know, he's, I remember him looking at us, you know, like fuck. And it was really great how it was a pivotal move because you know you got George Clooney. I'm, I'm, a, I was, a, I'm a Clooney fan still, but I mean, I mean, to me, I was like, fuck Clooney. I mean, like the guy's got so, he's got this going on so much. He's so handsome, and he's, you know, he's fucking George Clooney. You know, at the time, I'm like, geez, you know, George Clooney comes in. Of course, all the girls are gonna, you know. But it was it was really neat because when he got up to go get the phone call, there was no seat for him. So when he came back, it was he was there. He was standing there as the odd man out, you know. And uh, we had our seats back, and you know, I was always proud of JB. You know, to, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, a ballsy move. Yeah, get, get get Clooney out of the way, you know. Um, but you know, we we had a lot of fun back then, you know. And and during those years, I think between really really in the in the two thousands, you know. There, there was there was a time when we were all just hanging on, you know, and and going to the cat club, you know, Slim had that place, the cat club down in Hollywood and, and uh and Sunset. And 
you know, at the, you know, at the time you're like, Oh, the cat club, you know, uh, you know, but, but I'll never forget those days. I mean, everybody came in there. I played with everybody there at the cat club. You know, I was always blessed. These Ryan would say, come on up and sing some songs. I mean, and I'm looking behind me and I think I have all these memories of playing with, you know, all of these super duper musicians and, and they were at my disposal. And it was, you know, it was no big deal. You know what I mean? I was, I was, I was one of them, you know, and some said they were, ah, we're going on tour. Oh, we got this, you know, oh, I'm going out with so-and-so, you know, Dizzy Reed was in there playing all the time. Um, I remember, you know, going over like Thal's house before GNR was, you know, kind of really getting cruising. I mean, you know, it was, it was also in the black robot band. It was also nice to have like, those guys really digging, you know, I did, we, I get hit up all the time from those type of guys, you know, going, wow, this record's great, you know, and, the, and they were really appreciating what we were trying to do. And, um, you know, that always made me feel good, you know, that to be, to be appreciated, uh, on that level, you know, um, and still be able to, you know, have the friends that I have, you know, from 20 years ago, you know, even here in Nashville and be able to reach out to these guys and, and they pick up the phone for me, you know, so, Again, you know, I, I, I just, I'm happy to have that, you know, I'm happy to have all of the experiences and, and the friendships and the collaborations I made and, and the reputation of being a strong vocalist and, and somebody who shows up and delivers, you know, and there's not many of us left, I would say. Um, and uh, so, you know, I got a million stories. Uh, some of them, I just, I'm waiting to put them in the book. You can read them in the, the book of Huck. That Okay. Okay would be written because i i'm i'm working on it now just because okay. uh, wow you know my mother keeps pushing me in that direction and 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 starting in detroit uh as a karaoke singer i think i have a lot to tell you know sure. and, and the variations of you know of musicians that have come in and out of my life and experiences that i've had you know um they've been great you know um i you know i i i i uh i've been from here to from New York to Texas, Detroit to LA, you know, and, and I got a story for everyone. And, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I guess if you're wanting more stories, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to think about who who's going to be listening and watching before I can tell them to you. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's awesome. And then, um, t- t- talk about the, uh, hats that you're making Huck's hats. Oh, that's well, kind of yeah. your main focus right now, right? Is what is the hat stuff? It is. It is. Um, I've been making hats. Yeah, I make custom hats. Um, I make them out of either vintage or new cape lines, uh, you know, primarily beaver felt, um, which are the materials that last a lifetime. Um, mostly resist all and Stetsons are made from beaver felted fur, which is uh, it's it's blown, you know, into a, into a, into a, into a cape line. You know, if everyone knows how felt is made, it's the same concept, um, just using animal fur instead of wool or or uh cotton and um so i got into that when i moved to franklin um i you know i was i i was a big fan of some hat makers and i as an artist i just could never i never wanted to spend my money on on what they were offering and and i always had this idea that i wanted to create my own custom hats and I had gone out here locally and met a guy that had been in, affiliated with Franklin for 30 years and, and knew everybody from Nashville to here. And uh, I I made this hat and I always wear it around town and and people are always complimenting me on on my on this hat. Where do I get that hat? Where did you get that hat? So um, 
I, you know, I, I told this gentleman I made this at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in making more. And if I could get into the festivals here in town, I think I would, I think that that would be a really great idea for me to sell hats, you know, and he says, I think I can get you into the festival. So I did my first festival last year here in Franklin. It has over 200,000 people coming through. It's one of the biggest uh, street festivals in the country. And um, there's a lot of wealth here, uh, here in Franklin and in Nashville and Brentwood area. Um, of course, it's growing every day. And so I made I know, I handmade 35 hats. I brought them to the festival and I sold 27 of them. Wow. Um, yeah, they put me in all the papers and magazines here. Um, I signed up for all of the festivals for the year in Franklin. And uh, I did Pilgrimage last year, <laughs> which was a big, big rock festival they have, or big concert here that they have, country rock, whatever. Um, two large stages, probably about 300,000 people come through that. It's in a big farm here. Um, Homestead Festival, which is another big one in Columbia, Tennessee. Um, had Kevin Costner play there as the artist last year. And um, it's a real refined uh, festival that we do. And um, so, yeah, I just I, I started taking custom orders and making them for different people, getting calls from celebrities and different people that I knew in Hollywood going, holy shit, you're making these hats. And, you know, the orders started coming in and and I've been hand making custom hats ever since uh, hand over fist. Yeah, that's so what C. Thomas Howell, somebody that, that wanted to buy one, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, right? Some pretty big name. Yeah, there's, yeah. Oh, yeah. I made I made one for uh, for Jake Kiska from. Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bryce Soderbergh from Lifehouse. Yeah, I just made one for uh, for uh, what's the uh, Chris Barrett from the Barrett Arms Company that his dad invented the fifty cal rifle. Oh, shoulder wow. rifle. Uh, his company is really huge. Um, who else do I have coming in? Uh, Jimmy Hall. I'm just going to meet with Jimmy here this week. He was, he, uh, I made the last hat Jeff Beck wore before he passed. Wow. Uh, I just, you know, it's been, you know, it's been great, man. I mean, you know, the, the different people that have hit me up for hats and, uh, you know, I made one for, uh, uh, John Wayne's grandson, Brennan Wayne, who is the Mandalorian. He's the guy in the suit for the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, it just keeps from Taylor Lynn, uh, Loretta Lynn's granddaughter. I made one for uh, Waylon Jennings' grandson, uh, Struggle Jennings. Um, oh, he's you know, a musical artist himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's huge. Um, you know, it, it, they just keep coming. Uh, cool. I, and I and I like to do them for, you know, the, I don't know. I'm not, I like to do them for, for people that are, uh, I guess, kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm keeping my integrity. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going and fishing around and, and looking. I'm making one for Clint Eastwood's daughter. Um, geez. I mean, just people that, you know, like I, I've been blessed that way. You know, it's, it's, I would love to have, you know, Bono from U2 wearing one of my hats, of course, or, or, you know, uh, some of these country stars that are, that are, that are really great and really huge that wear hats. But, um, I'm just kind of taking it as the Lord brings it, you know, um, I make a lot for, for people here locally, um, that know quality. I make quality materials and quality hats. I don't, I don't cheapen out. I use artifacts from, you know, we're, we're in the, one of the largest, uh, civil war areas that, that, you know, when we had the bloodiest battle of the civil war here in Franklin. So, hmm. um, I get artifacts from that because there's, just, it was so large and so vast, um, um, some of the historical places I can go and friends there and they'll, 
I'll get buckles and things like that. And I'll, I wow. make all the banding and all of that. I hand sew all of the sweatbands. I custom liners. Um, and I do it all myself. Um, you know, I block and shape them. If I get an old hat that's, you know, 50 years old and it looks like shit, I'll make it look brand new. Most of the time I take it, rip all the stuff out of it, clean it up immensely, steam it, reblock it and make it into a brand new hat and make it look old again. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, different styles, different shapes, doesn't matter what it is. Um, I'll, I can do it. If you have a dream hat, you know, if you if you watch 1883 or if you watch Yellowstone or you watch some of these the old Westerns, I've made the Rowdy Yates, I've made the Rawhide, uh, Lucas McCain, I've made them all. And uh, and they're all individual. I never make the same hat twice. So um, you know, once you get a Huck hat, it's yours and no one else will have it. And uh, I don't make them out of cheap wool. Like I said, I make them out of really high quality stuff. So hopefully they'll last your lifetime and your kid's lifetime and your grandkids lifetime. Very cool. Yeah. And I'll put the website in the show notes and then I always end promoting a charity or cause. Is there a charity that you're that's near and dear to your heart? You want to give a shout out to here at the end? Oh, wow. Of course. Um, well, there's heartstrings, which is a, which is a charity run by um, a beautiful friend of mine, Amy. And, sh- and she's, she's in charge of making sure that everything is, uh, is, is on the up and up over there. And they, what they do is they, they combine music with with veterans oh. and contribute um all all of these things musical they have songwriting events um and they give guitars to veterans um signed by different artists they can they collaborate with a lot of different country artists and and, and rock artists and, and just musicians in general um completely supporting the cause of the veterans and, and those that have served um i i contributed to their their cause um I contributed to the friends of uh, the friends of the, of, of uh, Williamson County Shelter here. Uh, so for the animals, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing a benefit for them. Uh, I do a benefit for the Harpeth River, Con- uh, the conservatory, which is uh, the people who take care of the river here to make sure it stays clean. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I St. Jude has an auction right now in Nashville um, where you can, you know, only select uh items and and people that are involved in this package that you can bid on and win and you'll get a huck hat included in that so i contribute a lot to different charities um only the ones that you know that i that i think uh you know i'd like to contribute to all of them i i i commend those who who put themselves out for others and and these particular charities that i mentioned are are top to me um, you know, veterans, animals, and kids, you, you know, that's, that's the way I go as much as possible. And, and then, you know, again, with, with, with nature and keeping things clean and, and, and non-polluted for the generations to come, that's important to me as well. So um, those are the ones that I support. Um, you Absolutely. Can on my website, uh, which is the Huck Off, or Huck Off. Hey, if you want to hear some music, i tell you what, if you want to hear some Huck John's music, you can go to www.huckoff.com and it has just songs. I'm not trying to sell any songs. I'm not trying to link them anywhere. I just want people to hear the music. And you can go on my website and you can just hear my music. You can hit play and then you can hit play on the next one and you can hit play on the next one. Uh, they don't link to anything. They don't make me any money. They just, uh, I just want people to be able to listen. And if you like something out there, of course, you can go buy it. Uh, but, you know, that's a chance for you just to go and listen if you want to hear it. And if you want to, ha- if you want a huck hat, um, you just go to huckhats.com 
And um, all the hats that I have made there are available. Um, they're not, you're not going to get that exact hat. You're going to get something that's, you know, a little bit different, but close because yeah. uh, you can you can take that style. You can order it in your size. If you want it in a particular color, I can I can make it happen. And uh, then you just reach out to me. You know, you'll be discussing directly with me. And, uh, you know, we'll get to work on your custom hat, you know, and uh, if you have a dream hat, I can make it. Uh, you know, if you want Slash's hat, I can make it. You want anyone's hat, I can make it. And, okay. And it's going to be high quality and it's going to be uh, it's going to be your dream hat. And I try to make them for everyday wear. I try to make them for people that, you know, uh, aren't usually accustomed to wearing hats. You know, um, yeah. th- that's been amazing. It's, you know, that's another thing. It's been it's been a gift uh, from the Lord. It's been I've been able to you know, give people confidence, uh, that, that maybe wouldn't have had it otherwise. Um, you know, it's amazing to see people come and put a hat on and go, Holy crap, you know, and it just changes everything. And then, and then they're kind enough to tell me some of the experiences they have wearing them, uh, which are positive. And, and so it's, it's been a real, it's been a real joy for me to be able to do this and, and create my art and have people appreciate it. Yeah. Very cool. Hopefully we'll uh, get the word out a little more here with this podcast and maybe you'll sell a couple hats and that's awesome. Oh, I'm sure Chuck and right. uh, you come really well, well represented as well. And, and well spoken of, you know, Stefan and, and the guys there that, you know, I, I know some people in, in the podcast world and they, they speak highly of you and they're, they're proud of your endeavors. So I hope you keep it oh. up and I see you've had some really great interviews and I'm, I'm really happy and proud to be a part of it and you and, and your interest in me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this is fun. Uh, we'll stay in touch and let me know about the book when that comes out. You can come back and talk about it. I'm I'm working. I'm working like a wet cat, man. I got all <laughs> kinds of things going on. And that's one all thing right. about me, man. I got a lot of irons in the fire. And, uh, you know, if anyone wants to know anything about me, I'm a true artist. I really am. I, I, I'm multifaceted and I really try to create things that, uh, that are going to last. Hopefully I'll, you know, hopefully you'll see Huck hats on the antiques road show, you know, 2050, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's what I'm shooting for. And in music, you know, you know, all I can say to anybody who's listening is that, you know, um, you know, I, 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 I encourage anyone to live their dreams. I think that's the most important thing. My dream has always just been to be a great artist. Uh, you know, I've, I've always wanted to have a hit song, of course, and I think someday I might, you know. Um, I'm never going to quit trying. But that's the important thing there. You just never quit trying. You never quit or give up on you. Believe in you. Believe in yourself, no matter what it is, no matter what you want to do, no matter what you want to try. Um, don't let every, don't let anyone ever tell you that you can't do something. Uh, you can do it. Uh, you know, if if one man can do it, another man can do it as well, or woman. Uh, and that's the way I believe. So, all you kids out there that that maybe are feeling uh, discouraged or 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 have your doubts, um, no, no, never never doubt yourself. Uh, just hang in there. Keep swinging, and eventually you're going to hit the home run. I promise you. Very cool. Well said. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Huck. I'll talk to you later. It's been my pleasure, Chuck. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right. You too. See ya. My thanks again to Huck Johns. You can hear his music for free on Spotify or his website. And also check out his hats. They're very cool. Make a great gift. And you can support this show and Huck by sharing this episode on social media. And, of course, you can follow both of us on there as well. We appreciate all your support for the show and the guests. Have a great rest of your day and shoot for the moon. 